This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the first Total Saints podcast of 2020 with a dedicated weekly discussion point for all things Saints FC and what a time it is to be a Saints fan at the moment, even more so given the many downs over the past couple of years. Joining me this week was Steve away in South Africa watching England cricket yet again, our TSP regulars Lucy Heiner at Lucy Heiner on Twitter and Glenn Delacour, chief creator and potty mouth of the wonderfully unique League One Minus 10 blog at L1 minus 10 on Twitter. Welcome again, chaps, and a very happy new year to you both. Yeah, happy new year, everybody. Happy new year, everyone. And I'm also pleased to say that uh, the man behind the number one independent Saints fans channel, The Ugly Inside, at The Ugly Inside, and TheUglyInside.net, Freddie Hunt is also here. Freddie, good to have you on again. A good Christmas and new year for you as well. Yeah, hello, good evening, good morning, wherever you're listening from. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Uh, Yeah, you know, lots of drinking, lots of eating, and uh, back to work blues for me tomorrow. Yeah, and I bet it's been uh, slightly more fun. I think we've all watched the videos over the last few months, you putting in the hard hours after uh, games outside St Mary's. I imagine, a bit like doing this podcast, it's been a little easier recording Saints fans' views at the moment than maybe it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, so there's been an outbreak, a plague of positivity um, uh, outside St. Mary's the last couple of weeks. So uh, strange sensation all round, I think. Yeah, and just briefly, I mean, I know um, I remember Adam always saying that the Daily Echo tended to get more hits when Saints were doing poorly. Steve says yeah. the same about Saints Web. With, with you guys, do you tend to find there's more watches of the video when Mike's kicking off because it's been rubbish, <laughs> or do you tend to find that it's, it's just as good at the moment? Uh, I mean, to be honest, yeah, I think it's very similar to what you get hits on websites, you know, I mean, it's such as the uh, the YouTube 
community sort of thing uh people tend to swarm to negativity so i remember when we lost um you know to leicester mm. a few months ago i think our views were through the roof <laughs> so uh i think we're back to a, an all-time low once again as saints are winning yeah exactly i, I know from our point of view the uh, the podcast we did after that uh, game where we uh, decided not to talk about the match but uh, a bit more philosophical um that's our, our number one uh most listened to ever so uh, there we go but yeah good to have the the three of you on um this episode we'll see us chat through the recent win against jose you'll just uh, beep pochettino Mourinho's tottenham hotspur we'll also reflect on saint's safe passage through to the fourth round of the fa cup at the expense of huddersfield town we'll briefly chat danny ings for december premier league player of the month michael obafemi for december premier league goal of the month and ralph hasenhutl's nomination for december premier league manager of the month oh no hold on it doesn't appear that the last one somehow happened well that's a curse dodged anyway finally after smashing us by I can't even bring myself to say it again a lots of goals to none in October we'll preview next weekend's fixture up at Leicester City as well as undertake contractual feeling where I'll get Glenn and Lucy's views on the two senior Saints players soon to be out of contract sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk this is TSP 97 I'd really love a hot tub but I don't know where to start how easy is the process it's as easy as one two three who are you I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs one, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. HappyHotTubs.co.uk Saints started 2020 where they'd left off in 2019, unbeaten after a well-deserved 1-0 St Mary's win against Spurs. Glenn, short and simple, a great three points to start the new year. Yeah, it's brilliant. I know it was only 1-0, but it, it was a tremendous performance from start to finish, really. They they tore into Spurs. We're a very good side when we don't let the other team settle. Yep. Um, if we stand off and let them play, we're not very good at that. But we, we got in Spurs' faces from the start. Um, and despite Deli Alley and despite Mike Dean, we... <laughs> um, we uh, we ma- we managed to win and it, and it was relatively comfortable in terms of you know the ball wasn't pinging around our penalty area and McCarthy wasn't having to make loads of saves. Um, we we thoroughly deserved the win thanks to uh, uh, in no small part to another moment of magic from uh, Danny Ings. Yeah, I think we all uh, enjoyed your blog at uh, the end of the week and uh, yeah, I think most of us, myself certainly, Glenn, share your views on Dali Ali. But uh, Lucy, I look. Even more impressive when you think that Spurs are still one of the big six and uh, you think, you know, how much extended sort of physical effort Saints have put in over the last two, three weeks to sort of come to that game at the end of the festive run and still, you know, put in a phenomenal effort was a real credit on their part. Yeah, I think whoever's in charge of fitness and conditioning at Saints deserves a lot of credit for the run we've had because Mm. I think you've seen the likes of Villa um, and Newcastle have quite serious injuries and quite a lot of them, and, and that's bound to kind of have a destabilising effect on their on their season. And and Saints have managed to avoid that, especially to kind of you know key players. So I think, um, yeah, the way we've managed that and, and managed to keep the results coming has been re- like really impressive. Especially I think, given that we were all a little bit nervous about Danny Ings over the festive period, mm. um, and whether he'd be able to keep playing. I know we gave him the odd rest, but he's actually been quite a, a permanent fixture really much more so than I expected um and his goal was was brilliant really so um yeah no um I think we often talk about the manager or the players but I think the whole team the whole kind of coaching and fitness team deserves credit because those kind of things behind the scenes make a massive difference particularly at this time of the year yeah totally and I think we'll keep our fingers crossed on Danny Ings now won't we as as well but <laughs> uh, Freddie I mean both Lucy and uh, Glenn 
a line to it there. Um, Glenn's blog, I think, spoke a lot about um, Toby Gehm sliding out of the stadium and all that sort of thing with Danny's finish. Um, I've, I've seen lots of people, particularly on your video channel, where they were talking about an element of Latiz in the goal. But, I mean, if you're going to win a game 1-0, it's a goal like that that's uh, worthy of winning any game. Yeah, it was a wonderful finish, wasn't it? You know, straight out of uh, kind of Matthew Latizier's showreel or, you know, uh, you know, remembers of uh, Paul Gascoigne from Euro '96. I think that's what the BBC commentator said about that as well. But you know, fantastic finish. I mean, 13 for the season so far. You know, last time uh, somebody scored that amount of goals by Christmas or New Year was James Beattie and Matt Letizia himself. Yeah. So only one man that scored more goals in this season so far, Jamie Vardy. And it really is kind of showcasing, uh, you know, how Danny Ings can score all types of goals. You know, left foot, right foot, uh, smashings, you know, tappings, uh, headers, all sorts of goals. And he's become such a talisman for Saints. Mm. It's almost a worrying case that uh, if he does get injured, cross the fingers he doesn't, you know, uh, who else will score the goals? But, um, you know, fantastic all round for Danny Ings once again. And I think that's what I've got to highlight again, you know, Lucy's comment on keeping the players fit. And mm. that's what we've done this season with Danny Ings is managed his fitness correctly. Yeah. And, and Glenn, I mean, my dad um, texted me after the game. He said it felt like the old days back at St Mary's with the stadium right behind them and a, a real positive game. And it's always nice when you beat one of the big six. But we kind of lacked that, haven't we, the last few months? And of course, wins brings that along. But if we can get St Mary's back to the sort of, in inverted commas, fortress that we want it to be, it's going to make the season so much easier. I think it was an example of, you know, the players' efforts. Um, you know, they gave the crowd something to to hold on to. Mm. Um, it's it's very difficult for the crowd to get up for a game when you're when you're being lackadaisical and let just letting the other team play. If you're in their faces and you're playing at 100 miles an hour the whole time, then you know it's it's easy for the crowd to to see that and get behind that. And um, that's what happened on. Uh, Whenever it was, it seems ages ago, Thursday, whenever it was. <laughs> there were times when you could hear all four sides mm. of the ground singing, even the Kingsland with its average age of 103. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was decent. It was a really good atmosphere in the ground as much as uh, atmosphere in St. Mary's is ever decent. And yeah. It, 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 yeah, it was, it was good. It was, uh, it was enjoyable and it, it's a game that you will actually remember, um, yeah. you know, in a year's time. A lot of them just slide out of the memory as soon as they're over, but. <laughs> There was so much going on in that game, even though it was only one nil, yeah. and uh, the was a was a was the icing on the cake, really. Don't you sit in the King's Inn corner? No, I'm in the family stand. All oh, right, is that is that under the chapel? Is it really? It's yeah, I'm sort yeah. of in, uh, behind the goal in the chapel. All oh, right, really. I was just just wondering about your comment about the age, but uh, no worries. No, and, I, used uh, to, I used to sit in the King's <laughs> but they kicked you out for being too young. Uh, I was the youngest person in there, and my dad <laughs> was the second youngest. Yeah, there we go. So uh, <laughs> he was about seventy at the time. <laughs> Um, and Lucy, I mean, look, obviously Spurs have been struggling a bit the last few weeks. We spoke about that in the last pod. Glenn and Steve particularly felt that uh, we could win that game. So well done to them for their uh, predictions. But, you know, from Saints' point of view, as I said, it's still beating a top six side. We've ended Christmas with 10 points and 12, which I think is probably, you know, near on 10 points more than most of us were predicted. Certainly me. So <laughs> h- how much confidence, you know, I know we're going into Leicester now and that will be a tough game. But looking ahead over the coming weeks, how much confidence do you think this Christmas run can give the lads and Ralph? I think it should give them a lot of confidence and I think what we saw earlier in the season was when things didn't go Saints way the kind of intensity dropped the aggression dropped and then that was when things started to look very bleak and Mm. and probably was topped off by that other Leicester result that we won't talk about Um, and I think this time it's going to be very important for both players and fans I think Mm. to remember this period I don't expect to get a lot out of the next couple of fixtures to be honest but I think it's about the kind of nature of the performances not necessarily the results but that we continue in that positive aggressive vein because I think 
while Ralph style of football looks great when you're winning, I think it can be a bit scary when you're losing because by its very nature, pressing high is risky. Mm. And particularly Leicester have the kind of tools to exploit the kind of risks you take um, with with Ralph style of football. So I I think it's going to be important to remember that this has worked and stick with it. Um, even when, you know, you're probably wondering why you're two or three nil down to Leicester um, because they're doing the right things. But the fact is the quality of the team isn't as good as some others. So you, you won't always get results, um, yeah. but you kind of have to keep going, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, Freddie, I don't want to, to waste too much time and effort on Jose Mourinho, but up to his normal antics as uh, ever, which uh, saw him criticise the Saints ball boys second half and get booked for entering the Saints technical area. Um, I think it would appear to have words, we'll call it that, with goalkeeping coach Andrew Sparks, who Mourinho called an idiot after the game. So I think we'll all agree the case of Jose Mourinho being Jose Mourinho. Yeah, I think it was the case that, uh, you know, that fans were singing his uh, hymns, you know, you're not special anymore. So uh, I'll say it there. Yeah. And and the other one, yes, without (laughs) without the swear on this uh, uh, family friendly podcast. But I think I've got to say Tottenham, they were rattled from the first minute. You know, Saints kept hounding them into mistakes on the field. And obviously, Jose Mourinho is the type of manager, a bit like Pep Guardiola, you know, fantastic pedigree, won trophies all across the world. But when it ain't going for him, he starts throwing a wobbly, starts protesting against uh, referees and ball boys and running up and down touchline uh, in trespassing into technical areas and you know he's got he's got no other class but to start insulting staff and uh, and, and personnel in post-match interviews it makes me laugh because they, they've got so many natural advantages over us hmm. not least the amount of money that they spend the size of the squad they've got i mean do you remember when we had ronald koeman in charge and we had a really good season the christmas period was a disaster wasn't yeah it? Well, we lost beat arsenal didn't they yeah we lost seven games out of nine or whatever it was, and it was really, really poor. To basically go through this period, picking up the results we have, with only using, you know, the players that we have, mm. is is tremendous. And and you know, Tottenham, it, it just it just makes me laugh really that the teams like that, their managers complain about like the world's stacked against them. Um, I, I mean, it's satisfying though, because you know yeah, that that's totally. when you've beaten them, that they're kind of so rattled that exactly. that's all they can come up with. Yeah. They yeah. can't find any way to beat you. So they'll just whine. Yeah. That's I, I do think, I do think some of it from Jose was just deflection. It, yeah. It, yeah, it's definitely. a standard thing. He, make it about him. So the pundits are all saying, Oh, Jose's a bit of an idiot, but we know that anyway. Mm. Everyone knows that. And no one really cares about that. And the pundits aren't saying Jose's team was really, really poor. They've got something else to talk about. And I, I think he does do that. So in some ways, it's quite clever, but it's it's, it's just boring now. You know, yeah. he's been doing it for so long. It's a it's a trick that has, you know, it's worn thin now, I think. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, I, I saw it was, the, I think, the first time that they'd lost a New Year's Day game spare since 2009. So it's nice to start a, a new decade uh, with that. And I think also, uh, as you quite rightly pointed out in your blog, Glenn, it was nice for Saints to stop Harry Kane from scoring for a change, which I think <laughs> I think you'd put, what was it, 43 in his last 10? It felt like that, didn't it, for against Saints? Yeah, it, it seemed like every time he touched the ball, it ends up in our net over the last uh, few times we've played them. Yeah, but, so, uh, yeah. but no, he, he, I think we, we touched on it in the previous podcast he he kind of though he's scoring goals he doesn't look the player he was a year ago since Mm. he got all those ankle injuries they do seem to have slowed him down a little bit I mean it's unfortunate that he got injured um putting that ball in the net um real shame that was disallowed but um (laughs) yeah I did wonder when VAR took ages to disallow that I thought I wonder if players ever 
scored a goal whilst he's been sat on the substitutes bench. Yeah, that was that would be. Yeah, yeah they actually raised it on the commentary I was listening to. They Did were they? like, so if he scored now, he's actually not even here to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, kudos to all the Saints fans out there, myself included, who made him uh, fantasy captain for that game because it certainly worked. Um, look, moving on to Huddersfield then, uh, Lucy. Um, I think again, you, you know, we expected Saints with the form they're in to come through that game maybe more confidently than we would have done previous years, but Ralph still made ten changes. Ultimately, a good two 0 win, and as you, Glenn. I predicted we all predicted 2-0 and another clean sheet as well so a good result and more confidence yeah I think it's brilliant if you can make that many changes and maintain the momentum which I kind of tweeted about before the game that I felt Mm. it was really important that we kept winning even if that meant rotating the team and that being necessary especially after you've come through such a kind of thick and fast fixture list Um, I think it's incredible that James Wall-Prowse was the man that that kept going Mm. um what he's done over this kind of run of form has been brilliant and probably not something I'd have expected from him a year ago or so. Um, he's kind of adapted into that kind of central midfield role and is running just an unreal amount. Um, mm. And the fact that he carried on playing uh, just a bit crazy. I think um, Ralph said after the game, I think he described him as a machine because mm. that's just a bit, it's a bit nuts really how much work he gets through. But yeah, no, I think it was a really, really positive result. I, I think, Huddersfield was probably one of the easier fixtures we could have got, you know, even accepting that there were lower league teams in the draw. I think mm. that was probably one of the easier ones just because it's a long way from their priority at the moment um, yeah. and, and they're not in a good place. So um, from that perspective, it was really good. And obviously to have um, Academy lads scoring is also another cherry on the top. I feel I should make a public apology to James Ward-Prowse because uh, I did suggest before the Man City away game that he should be, uh, in inverted commas, given a rest. I actually meant dropped, but ever since then, I'm not taking any credit for it. I just absolutely uh, couldn't agree with you more, Lucy. He's been phenomenal since, uh, you know, that City away game pretty much when he scored and, uh, you know, he's, he's very much driving the team and it's kind of come from that move into centre midfield for him, hasn't it? You know, him and Pierre yeah. have obviously been playing. Romeo was the one that dropped out as uh, Glenn and Steve spoke about last time out, so he's thrived in that position. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and not something that I'd have necessarily expected from him because I think it requires a lot of quite hard tackling, a lot of kind of mm. getting to second balls. And a, probably a few years ago, we just said that he was probably too nice for that kind of role. But Ralph's given him a bit of an edge, kind of made him a bit nasty. I think, you know, when he got under Zaha's skin last season, um, I think that was part of his journey into a, a bit of a tougher guy mentally. I think mm. there were times when he just fade out of the game. Whereas now he seems a bit more into it um, and is doing like a really, really good job with Pierre. And I think as good as the kind of Hoybier-Romeu pivot in midfield was, I think there were times when we were quite frustrated that it didn't do enough to push the team forward. And mm. having that mix of Walprouse and Hoybier in the middle gives us a bit more of a thrust, I think, from the, the middle of the pitch. I thought you could really see why Romeo is not in the Premier League side against Huddersfield yeah. yeah it's just one touch too many just slightly too long to get the ball moving and a lot yeah. of our a lot of our moves forward or potential moves forward were kind of cut off at source because he didn't get his you know he didn't get the ball away from his feet quick enough watching him compared to Ward Prowse in that game yesterday um the, the ball just he, he just held onto the ball for too long too mm. many touches and we you can kind of see why he has been left out he didn't have a particularly bad game he didn't give the ball away or anything like that but it's just to play in the Premier League and to play 
the way that Ralph wants us to play, you've got to move the ball quickly. Yeah. He can't transition and, it quickly enough. I don't think it, it slows down when it gets to him. And yeah. that's not even to say he does a lot wrong. He just doesn't do enough right, if you know what I mean. Mm. Well, at uh, Bibliotechers had uh, tweeted us yesterday saying, uh, I know we can only speculate. And while I'm also joining in the celebrations on the recent turn of form, I really am questioning what on earth we were doing at the start of the season. I know we had a tough run of games, but why on earth did Ralph not play his 4-2-2-2 formation from the start since he had all summer to train the team on this? Why did he play so many players out of position? Was it really his decision to play five at the back? If so, why, etc., etc. So I don't think we need to necessarily go in the answers, but I think this current run of form absolutely epitomises all those sort of concerns and uh, queries we had at the start of the season as fans. But uh, Glenn, look, I mean, you were at the game. Great to see two younger Saints players get given a chance. Jake Vokins and Will Smallbone both making their um, full debuts and, of course, both scoring goals. I mean, I tweeted afterwards saying it kind of epitomises the feel-good factor around the club at the moment. But from their point of view, how did you think they got on? And uh, obviously great to see them both on the score sheet. I would say sort of cautious optimism about both of them. Mm. They they weren't brilliant, but they were pretty solid. And, you know, both scoring goals is tremendous. That's that, that's a great thing. Um, Jake Vokins, you could see why Ralph didn't want to throw him into the team earlier on in the season when Bertrand got suspended. Right. Um, he, he looked a little bit naive with his positioning sometimes. Um, there were passages of play where the ball was being worked across the back four and it'd get to Vestergaard, who was like the left of the, of the central defence. The next ball should have been out to the left back, but Vokins was 40 yards up the wing at times. And you could see Vestergaard thinking, well, there's no one that you can see when Vestergaard thinks because it's that slow. Um, he was like having to turn around and go back towards the other side of the pitch and, uh, With the but, turn uh, circle of a bus. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But the, you know, the, there was a few times where, where Vokins was too far forward. Um, but he, he's obviously a winger who's, they're trying to convert into a fullback, but there's, there's a lot to work with there. And yeah. I think for, for a guy playing his first game, and the goal's a bonus, but for a guy playing his first game, that's all you can hope for, really. The, the one caveat I'd have is that he's very small. He's right. a bit of a Cedric-sized type of player. So if he's going to play at fullback, he's going to have to find ways to, uh, you know, Grow. to uh, to cater for that. <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to have to do what Ward Prowse has done and, yeah. you know, hit the gym and bulk up and get nasty. Get on um, with uh, Smallbone, I've watched him a couple of times for the age group sides. And he does kind of drift in and out of games. Mm. And then he does something like score a goal or set up a goal. Mm. Now, I, I would say for him yesterday, he he did have sort of 10, 15 minute spells where you think well, he hasn't touched the ball. And then he put the great ball through for long um, that was VAR'd out of existence. And then <laughs> and then he scored the goal. And that was, a, that was a really good finish. So, again, he's obviously got something. But I wouldn't say either of them on that showing would be ready to be thrown into the Premier League from Ralph's point of view he will have now seen them playing and that will give him some good ideas on what he and the coaching staff need to work with them on to develop yeah absolutely I say I probably sound a little bit negative there but there is a lot to work with yeah but I would say that they're they're not ready for the Premier League yet but gives a an indication from a from a proper competitive uh, men's football game yeah um that they now have a sort of benchmark and the, the coaching staff will hopefully know what these uh, what these lads need to improve on Ultimately, then, Freddie, we're into the hat for the next round. Um, who are we looking to get in the fourth round when the, the draw's made? Obviously, we'll be releasing this Monday morning ahead of the draw in Monday evening. Are we thinking Pompey again? That'd be nice, it wouldn't would it? Be to, nice. Do him, to, to do him twice in the, in the backyard again yeah. for the second time this season. That'd be great. 
you know go down there once again or we could have a home tie that'd be good or to be honest i'm looking at other ones you know clubs i haven't really been to before so i mean places like brentford i mean i've Mm -hmm. I've been there before but it's their last season in uh in their current stadium before Mm -hmm. they move i mean places like they play some nice football too they are they are pushing for promotion this season um i mean you've got places like rochdale who are in the hat they've got to get through a replay you've got carlisle on a replay as well shrewsbury bristol city Bristol Rovers or Coventry could be good. I think anybody but a Premier League side, really. Yeah, what you don't want is like the Carabao Cup where you felt we were on a bit of a roll and then you get Man City away and you just think, well, that's yeah. the end of that. I don't want to play Portsmouth. I want I want them to stew Quit on while the we're fact. Ahead. No, I want them to stew on the fact that we beat them 4-0 for <laughs> ages. At least three or four years. Oh, what if they, we can make it 4-0 again? I know. I've not, I've not no. got enough budget left for any more T-shirts. Oh, yeah. No, I, ju- I, just, I just want them to stew on it for a while. Now, a quick look at some Premier League award nominations for December. Freddie, good to see Danny Ings up for Player of the Month. Well-deserved. Obafemi, of course, uh, nominated for Goal of the Month for his strike at Chelsea. But maybe surprisingly, Ralph not nominated for Manager of the Month, despite picking up three more points than Nigel Pearson, who was, and lifting Saints while up the table. So what did you make of that? I think it's a fix. It's a curse sort of miss, though, isn't it? A little bit of a farce, but it's almost a case that once they are highlighted, you know, you'll have more interest around sort of players and managers. Mm. So perhaps if we go under the radar, that suits me. And um, I'm actually quite surprised that uh, if we look at the goal of the month um, contenders, Nathan Redmond's goal wasn't uh, in the equation. You know, I think if you look at the two strikes, Obafemi and Redmond, you know, great strike technically from Obafemi, but the build-up goal, a great, fantastic team goal, uh, which uh, Nathan Redmond finished off at Chelsea. Mm. They never really do team goals, do they, in in those it's like Man United or something. Yeah, they just don't seem to rate them. It really frustrates me because, as you said, like it's such a good goal. Mm. And they never really go for them in these kinds of awards and stuff. It's interesting, actually. Um, we we posed the poll, you know, a few days ago, and it was so close to call. I mean, we 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 asked the question on our live show. We couldn't mm. call it, but Twitter announced that the winner was Nathan Redmond in those two uh, at Chelsea. Yeah, well, there you go. I think we uh, appreciate good uh, good football, good goals, don't we? But I, I think you know it does. I keep using the word epitomise, Freddie, but it kind of epitomises the good sort of six weeks we've had that you're now starting to get a bit of recognition just outside the club in terms of wider performances. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, these uh, fixtures, if you had asked us, you know, start of December, we'll take 10 points from the festive fixtures. Barmy. You would have thought you were crazy, you know. I think uh, I predicted about two. Yeah. <laughs> two more than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, had we kind of lost to Villa I mean on paper the, the fixtures could have been quite unforgiving but mm. to come through 10 out of 12 it's just over the moon above expectations and it's really given us a bit of impetus a bit of inspiration now moving forward January the 1st saw the start of the transfer window again, and that means that players out of contract this summer can sign pre-agreements with new clubs ahead of a summer move. So we're going to play Contractual Feeling. Oh, no, I think you misheard me there. It's Contractual Feeling. 
Anyway, three of our senior Saints players are out of contract this summer. Cedric Suarez, Maya Yoshida and Shane Long. I've removed Cedric from this conversation for two reasons. One, because he's already told us that he's going to leave the club in the summer. And two, because I've not got a long enough beep machine for Glenn's comments. Oh, it's a shame, really. The pod would go on forever and ever, really, <laughs> wouldn't it? But uh, um, Your one, Maya Yoshida, Lucy, would you give him a new contract or would you let him move on? What's your contractual feeling? Right. I love Maya Ishida. I think he's been an incredible servant to the football club. And, and more than that, I think he's been like a, a great guy to have around the football club in terms of, you know, the stuff he's done for the foundation mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. And I will be, you know, eternally grateful to him. But I do think that we are probably getting to a stage that given Ralph isn't particularly interested in playing him from what we can tell, um, and given that we will probably buy more defenders, that seems to be the rumour around the place. Yeah. Um, and given that we have a Wesley Hoot that we can't actually get rid of, I think we're probably getting to the point where it might be best to part ways and for him to have the opportunity to select where he goes and, and what what's right for him. Um, because I, I only think extending his contract would just be to keep him around the place, which may have value for Saints. But I think you've got to the point with my Yoshida where we kind of owe it to him to give him, you know, he's still got a decent amount of his career left. I know he's in his early 30s, but yeah. you'd still think as a centre-back, you've probably got a fair few more years in you. And, and I'm sure he would have, you know, a very successful career elsewhere. So I think we're probably at the point where it would be better to part ways. Yeah. I love it when you see a veteran defender and things like that. And he's, he's 31 years old and I'm yeah, yeah. 39. It makes me feel very, very old. So, uh, oh, cry me a river. Cry me a river, chaps. I wasn't going to get down that, Glenn. But uh, look, um, you're, you're one, Glenn. Um, Shane Long then. Same question. What's your contractual oh. feeling? Keep him or let him leave? Don't give me the Shane Long question. Well, um, I'm, in, I'm interested because I, I think he's done well this season when he's come on. I mean, the last, again, six to eight weeks. But is that enough to give someone a new contract? He's not scoring goals. It's ridiculous. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> you're, asking me at a t- you're asking me at a time when he's in the team, basically. He's in the first choice 11 and he's playing well. My, it's not my, enough. <laughs> my, gut, my gut feeling is to say no. <laughs> the reason the reason my gut feeling is to say no is because he is a bottom end of the Premier League striker. Yeah. And it, if we if, if we aspire to be anything other than in the relegation mix, we've got to do better than than him. But having said that, he's one of our first two strikers on the team sheet at the moment. Mm. So we've got to, you know, we've got to play someone else at the moment. I mean, Shay Adams, if we go back to the Huddersfield game, I thought Shay Adams was poor again. He worked hard, mm. but I, I was watching him thinking, I'm really not sure there's a player in there. Um, so if we let Shane Long go, then we have to spend probably £25 million on another striker. And our recruitment record over the last few years, as we know, has been pretty diabolical. So would we get anyone better? I don't know. I mean, there is an argument, certainly, for both Yoshida and Long to give him another year. Only one year, but give him another year. Yeah. So we can try and sort out the mess that we've made with all these players that we've signed that we're not getting any value for. You know, the the, the Carrillos, the Elian New season. Whoa, whoa, Carrillo's still got a career left. Les, Le- Reed, Les told Reed told us, us he's, got, he's got a future. Yeah. He's got a potential future, yeah. What has? Not a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Has he got some sort of like list of skills, like Liam Neeson or something? Can he do, can he do <laughs> something else? Yeah. Goals, right? He averages in the league about one in every six. 
which isn't great. No. And then you take out the 15-16 season where he scored 10 in 28 league appearances and it gets even worse to the point where he apart from that season, has never scored more than five league goals for us. Mm. For Christmas, I got Peter Crouch's new book, I, Robot, How to Be a Footballer 2, and I've uh, marked it um, because I, I was reading it the other night and uh, Shane Long's name came up. So uh, he was talking about strikers, Peter Crouch, and I would recommend the book if you haven't bought it yet. There is also The Strangers of Creature, the unselfish striker. You know they're an unselfish striker because they never score any goals. Now, I'm being unfair. You know they're an unselfish striker because everyone refers to them as an unselfish striker. It becomes their identity and it's a compliment and an insult rolled into one. Shane Long went 23 games without a goal up to December 2016. The following year, he had a fresh drought that lasted 325 days. Four months after that, he went another 279 days scoreless. Even typing those words makes me feel slightly sick. The non-footballer might ask why he's had such a decent Premier League career. I can tell you, he runs his ass off. He runs short, he runs decoys, he runs into the corners, and no striker naturally wants to go anywhere near the corners. I admire him all the more for the fact I know I can never follow suit. What do you make of that, Glenn? Um, strikes me he's yeah. getting paid to be a runner that's what I'm yeah. about yeah, I, he's the, he's I, the modern I, day Brett Ormrod isn't he what I think ultimately doesn't matter if Ralph decides to keep him for another year and the same with Yoshida if, if Ralph decides to keep him for another year then I'll get I'll get behind that if he decides to let him go I'm not going to criticise it yeah that is uh, true I think there's a decent argument both mm. ways for both players as much as I'm joking about well I'm kind of half joking about Long, um, there is a decent argument for both of those players to stay on another year Finally for this week then, a look ahead to Saints' next action away to Leicester City in the Premier League. Freddie, let's not talk about the previous fixture, but do you think the Saints lads and Ralph will be looking to show maybe a a response to that specific game in Leicester? Well, the momentum's going for us right now, isn't it? You know, mm. uh, 10 from 12 in the recent games and uh, winning away against clubs that we didn't think we had a chance at, you know, Chelsea, for example. So who's to say that we can't go up to Leicester and take a point, take a result and, you know, prove them wrong. Yeah, get a bit of a revenge, if you like, uh, uh, give them one back. Um, and, you know, I think the boys will be well up for it to avenge, uh, you know, the previous result. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the, the team bus... The uh, number plate reads, I think, like K9, LE something. So I'm constantly reminded by that result everywhere they go up and down the country. Right, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. That's depressing. Um, but so, yeah, um, Glenn, I mean, lo- lots of people have spoken about that result. Media, us guys, Freddie, people like By that. By the way, brace yourself because it's going to be coming up a lot over the next... Well, yes. it's going to be coming up yes. a lot. But in hindsight, Glenn, do you think that result, if you can call it a result, was kind of a, a watershed moment now when you reflect back on the, the season as it's gone? Yeah, it, it was. You you can't lose like that, and it not have an effect. I mean, we we did all this in the in the post Leicester yep. podcast. You know, it it tells you that you really are crap, and <laughs> you have to do something radically different. Otherwise, you're stuffed. You're getting relegated. You're not going to be Premier League footballers anymore. You're going to be looking for another club. All this sort of stuff. Um, and it did press the reset button. Mm. We had the Manchester City doubleheader thing, which kind of, you know, passed by without too much incident. And Ralph's all but admitted last week, it kind of was a reset button for him, wasn't it? And yeah. then 
you know, it seems to have done that with a with a number of players as well who, who've who've put in better performances since that since that moment. So it was a massive turning point for the season. Um, and in hindsight, it was a good thing to have happened because if we'd have just lost one nil, we probably would have just bimbled on doing the same thing and and not picking up results like we were at the start of the season. So it sounds really bizarre, but we we have a lot to be thankful for that for. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see how we um how we approach the game um, when we get on to predictions later but uh, yeah we'll see <laughs> totally uh, concur so I think what we're indirectly saying is thank you very much Leicester for absolutely mauling us so um, look I mean they're, they're, they're still sitting pretty in second uh, Lucy they've had a great season you know credit to them I, I think it's been great to see a team like that sort of sandwiched in between Liverpool and Man City giving them both a, a run for their money but they've only won two of their last five Premier League games coming into this uh, admittedly the last two games against West Ham and Newcastle but of course both those sides are struggling as well so so given their form, given our form, trying to be positive, are we getting them at a good time or not? We're getting them at a better time. <laughs> um, I struggle to get hugely optimistic about this because I think not only are they second in the league and doing very well, but they also have, as we found out, <laughs> quite a lot of weapons which are particularly suited to our vulnerabilities, I feel. Yeah. Not you know particularly Jamie Vardy's pace, um, but again, their fullbacks were a particular problem and I, I don't think that will stop being a problem even though I expect us to perform much better mm. um, so yes it's a better time than earlier in the season but I think if you look at the results and, and kind of where they didn't get wins the Liverpool and Man City results weren't entirely shocking I didn't think no. um, I think we're a long way from being Liverpool or Man City so um, <laughs> yes I'm expecting a much closer game and a much tighter game and I do think we have our form is kind of where we'd want it to be before we took them on, but I just don't see us getting anything out of it. Sorry, that sounds no, wrong. No, no, that's <laughs> and, and look, I mean, I know they're professionals, Leicester, but there's part of me that almost thinks they're going to turn up thinking we've already beaten them 9-0, it's going to be easy today, and you, you sometimes that can backfire, can't it? But uh, look, Freddie, from a Saints point of view, we know they will attack us, so that's obviously going to leave some gaps at the back, which uh, I know we exploited up there last season, but very much in line with the sort of current tactics Ralph's employing with this team. So from a Saints point of view, you know, as Glenn kind of alluded to there, you, you kind of get the feeling there will be chances for Saints. Yeah, well, I think it's got to be said that Ralph has now started to settle on a core group of players. Mm. Um, you know, we he made 10 changes against Huddersfield, and I think it was quite obvious that perhaps some of those weren't up to scratch to, to, to audition for the first team. So I think we'll go back to the same team that'll, uh, that that started against Tottenham. Um, and I think I've got to say, I've got to highlight Jack Stevens here as well. He's mm. been, uh, you know, showcased that he's, he's improved tremendously in his last sort of four weeks, and uh, he's got to be up for at least Saints player of the month. And I think he's Great. got, he said, um, he's, he's provided sort of calming, sort of composed presence at the back. He's directed, he's organised, he's led his teammates, covered, doing the basics. And I think that's what we'd, we'd kind of overcomplicated at the start of the season, especially around October when that result happened. We tried to overcomplicate things. Too many touches on the ball, trying to look for the, to, you know, to pass the ball into the back of the net. And we've taken our chances recently. We've taken shots from outside the box, you know, got into good areas. And uh, I think it's got to be said, you know, uh, the Leicester game uh, earlier on the season was a wake up call for all. And I think some of them have come of age recently. So uh, uh, Leicester's defence, the second best in the lead, uh, league, uh, only Liverpool have conceded fewer. So um, they are a strong side at the back. But uh, equally, you know, I'm sure we can get in behind and with Danny Ings scoring as many goals as he wants, uh, I'm sure he can get on the score sheet. 
at the very least it's a chance for us to restore some pride and uh, go out there and uh, put some effort in and uh, give it a good game we've only won one of our last five Premier League games at Leicester since we returned uh, to the Premier League but of course that was last season and we're actually unbeaten there in our last three Premier League games uh, with the two nil-nil draws preceding that um, moving on to predictions then so Steve's gone for a quote this come all the way from South Africa frustrating 2-1 defeat I suspect as much as we've improved since the 9-0 they're still pretty good um, Lucy you seem to give the opinion that you're probably going to go down a similar route yeah um i think a 3-1 defeat oh that's what i've gone for as well yeah then i, I i've said good side but i think our good run's going to come to an end so yeah i'm uh, 3-1 with you i think on that one i mean i don't know if that's ever a good thing when we agree you've been quite accurate at other times in the season but yeah. you know recently you've been too negative well so. we both yeah. agreed that they would draw against spurs didn't yeah. we so that was good yeah, so good. yeah so you never know but uh glenn what do you reckon oh, i'm not agreeing with you lot no, no, I'm just, I'm just not one because I don't want to agree with you lot, and two because I don't care, I don't care if I win the competition or not. So um, I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go for a one-all draw. One-all draw. There's a significant financial prize, Glenn. Is there? No, there's not really. But um, no, I don't right. think there was. <laughs> one-all draw, Tight. perfect. All right, and Freddie, just to uh, cap it all as our guest, then what do you reckon? Um, to be honest, I was gonna go with one-one, but now yeah. I feel like I'm agreeing with Glenn here. <laughs> This is like a vicious circle, isn't it? It's, like... <laughs> it's two on two now. It's double tag team. Um, Do you want to agree with me or those two? Come on. Yeah, I, come on. I will agree with Glenn here. I think it's, I think it's going to be tighter. Yeah. Um, you know, it could go either way, but I think Saints have got something to prove in this second leg, if you like. Yeah, I think that's only because Glenn lives in Southampton as well and you're worried he's going to come around your house or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, good. All right. Well, we definitely take a one-all draw, wouldn't we? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. It's always much more fun when there is something positive to talk about. Thanks as ever to Lucy and Glenn and, of course, to Freddie. If you're coming to TSP 100 on Friday night, 8pm start at the Five Rivers Pub in Southampton, then we very much look forward to seeing and speaking with you there. Don't forget, if you are coming, please bring some money with you, which I know sounds slightly rude, but there will be an auction. We're trying to make a £1,000 for the Saints Foundation on the night, so that would be great. But until then, have a great week. We look forward to seeing you on Friday if you are coming. If not, we'll speak to you next weekend on the uh, podcast after the Leicester game keep marching in ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be fine. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of 
real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.